If you would like, you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. We'll be reading a familiar passage from that text in just a moment. Certainly my pleasure to be able to stand before you all for several reasons. It's another opportunity to gather with God's children, to worship our God. For me, it's an opportunity to be able to share with you from God's Word some thoughts that I hope will be beneficial to you. To be with those who are helping in our support there at the church in Dover, Delaware. I thank you for that. Continue to thank you for it. I've mentioned before, they're, they're unusual in that of the 45 or so that are there, maybe a handful are second generation Christians, which means for most, their parents were not Christians, their grandparents were not Christians, they've come out of the world, and with that you have a lot of challenges. You have a lot of zeal and excitement as well. For Susan and myself to stand here or sit here tonight and listen to this powerful, beautiful singing, uh, they're so new at it, they don't break up into four parts yet. They, uh, they may sing different octaves, but it's still just straight singing, and which that's understandable, no harm done there, but to have these beautiful songs sung, capably led, and to hear the harmonies, it's stirring for us and very encouraging. But we do appreciate your support, uh, your prayers for my little episode I had there. Uh, all's well. Thank God for that. But thank you for your prayers and everything. I think we all who are Christians appreciate when we are trying to make the appeal to those who are in the world, their need to come out of that life of sin. That rather than having to resort to our own wisdom, our own cunning, what clever statements we might be able to come up with and present to them, we can go to our Lord's words. We're only offering His invitation, but how beautifully He puts it in so many ways. What He promises to one who would be willing to come out of darkness into His marvelous light, that light that our God offers that which He offers through His Son, when we can tell them of what it means to be redeemed, the price that was paid to buy them out of sin, to set them free from the bondage of sin, to be able to lay before them the peace, the comfort, the hope, the joy that nothing they're doing in this life provides it or compares to it. And this invitation that our Lord offers here, as we read it, appreciating again its beauty, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That takes a lot off of you and I. When we can simply set before them the beautiful, elegant, and simple words of our Lord. And there may be many who, hearing that, you mean He invites me to come to Him? He offers redemption, forgiveness, salvation? Absolutely. But the other side of that, that can often become the stumbling block, is the personal responsibility that He also sets before all. And we're going to get into that as our Lord continues through this, this beautiful invitation Something that I fear many are going to wrestle with. It's going to prove to be a difficulty for them. 
Yes, I want those blessings. But about that personal responsibility, our Lord made clear. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's laying on us all a heavy responsibility. He offers blessings, but if I want that, here's what I've got to be willing to do. I've got to love Him more than father, more than mother, more than son or daughter, more than boss, more than anything in this life, if this relationship is going to thrive and be what He means for it to be. But what's going to get in the way of that? What He demands... What he wants the relationship to be, what I may have in mind, I would like the relationship to be. Is it going to be any shortcoming on his part? No, it's going to be that little four-letter word, self. The things that I'm going to encounter, that you are going to encounter in your life, why do I have to give that up? Why do I have to relinquish that? Why do I have to make that change? Why can't I hang on to these things? It isn't like we hang on to them by accident. Not like you're going through the security checkout at the airport and they find your handgun and your travel bag or your pocket knife in the travel bag. and Oh, I, I forgot I left that in there. These are things we purposefully cling to. When we don't want to lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us. The heading I gave Josh for this lesson comes from a line from an old rock song. I don't really know or care what the writer had in mind with his intent. But that opening line, Know me, broken, by my master. I think what a fitting statement for every child of God to be able to say that. Here is how I want you to know me. This is how I want to be known. Here stands one broken by my master. I'm not bucking anymore. I'm not pulling and tugging anymore. I'm not resisting. I'm not fighting. Rather, I am humbly and completely submitting. And it is a beautiful thing. Is that how you are known? Is that how others know you when they look at you? Here is one who's been broken by his master. Look at it. As we go through this, I want us to appreciate it is only in our finally letting go of it all that we're going to be pleasing to him as we must be. But it is also only in our doing so that we're going to be able to realize this rest that he speaks of. This peace that is promised, this joy, this comfort, all of these things that come at last to that one who has said, I've given it all to Him. I've yielded. I've submitted. Now our Lord begins this invitation, come unto me. And I think we all understand that if it is forgiveness, if it is salvation that one is wanting, it is to our Lord that one must come. When He makes clear that He is the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through Him, we all understand that. But understand as well, it is on His terms and conditions. I think some are misled by this notion of you need to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. He's nobody's personal Savior. He is everybody's Savior. 
But he means to make it very personal. He's going to know all your business, everything that you're up to. But he means for it to be a close, tight relationship, personal indeed. But I think some of this idea of accepting him as your personal Savior, did I get to personalize him? Kind of like my car, my phone, my apartment. You know, I'm going to fix it up so that it suits my desires, my wants, my tastes. As a little aside, modern technology is a wonderful thing. You don't have to hear cussing if you don't want to when you're watching television. You can splurge and spend 80 bucks, get a little TV guardian, you plug it in. It reads the closed captioning on your TV and it'll mute the cuss words. It's, it's well worth the money if you want to watch shows that have a tendency to slip some cuss words in. But you can adjust the settings, how much cussing you want to let in. We've got a DVD player, Clearplay. Likewise, you can rent your movies from Netflix or wherever. You can put them in there if they've made a filter for it. And it's got a setting for how much sex you want to allow, how much nudity, how much profanity, how much violence, how much drug use, bigotry. I think even desecration of the flag. And you can go in there for all these categories and set it for what you're going to allow. None of this, some of that, a little more of this, and make the adjustments. I think some approach our Savior that way. My personal Savior. You know how I want to personalize Him? I want Him to still allow me to wear some of these outfits. I want Him to allow me to, to watch some shows that have this level of cussing, this level of... It ain't going to work that way. Our coming to Him means we come on His terms. He does the accepting. When making clear, our life has got to change. That's the repentance He spoke of. Where we find our life amiss, out of line with His will. If we want to come into this relationship, we're going to address those things. That's repentance. God through Amos of old, Amos 3.3, 3, How can two walk together unless they are agreed? We've got to get on the same page with our Lord if we mean to walk with our Lord. To accept His terms. But to those who recognize this is about sin. This is about forgiveness. This is about salvation. They'll gladly accept those terms. Because they're tired of that life. Come unto me all you who labor. The idea there is, I'm tired of it. Weary. Tired of a life of sin. Tired of the consequences that a life of sin brings. Tired of going around with this guilty conscience. Come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden. Literally meaning overburdened. You and I were not meant to carry this burden of sin. It is too much for us to carry. We were not designed in this way. And it ought to come to feel like this immense, heavy weight that we are straining underneath. Some of y'all may remember those old ESPN shows, The Strongest Man Competition. And man, they would have some enormous weights they were carrying. How they struggled as they got to the finish line and it lasted to just dump it and drop it and the relief. That's how it ought to be. I want to unload this burden. To get this weight off of our shoulders. The parables that our Lord speaks that liken it to this immense debt that in ten lifetimes you can never repay and yet to have it forgiven and the relief one experiences. 
when Paul, writing in Romans 4, used the language from Psalm 32 in making his point, it reads like this, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I would hope there might be some tonight. I'm tired of it. I don't want it anymore. And to be able to come to Him and accept such simple terms, to repent, to confess my belief in Him, to be buried in baptism so that those sins can be washed away, and now to just drop that load and experience the rest. I'm not struggling anymore. I'm not stooped over under the weight of it anymore. That rest that He promises now to be realized That rest that comes in realizing I've come out of a sinful environment into such a family as this, who's going to help me with my struggles, help me with my difficulties, be there to support me, and then all the other blessings that He promises. It is a beautiful thing to be able to offer to those out in the world. To be able to say, don't you want that? But pay attention to what follows in that invitation. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And take my yoke upon you. That wooden cross beam that would lay across the shoulders of oxen and other animals intended to guide, to direct, to control. Our Lord is making clear. You come into this relationship, He means to take over. He means to call the shots now. To guide, to direct. And I think that's the biggest struggle for most of us. To have to yield in every respect. To have to give it up in every respect. Can I hang on to just a few things? Can I hang on to just a couple of these habits that I have? Some of these indulgences that I take pleasure in? To recognize that you are no longer in control, calling the shots, but yielding completely to Him in everything. 2 Corinthians 10.5, speaking of the power of the gospel and what it can do. Pull down strongholds, casting down every argument that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, every thought, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He means to rein it all in. And that is the only way that it is going to work. You and I cannot come into this thinking... I appreciate the forgiveness, but you know what? I got it from here. I'll be checking in from time to time, especially when I need that forgiveness thing, but, but I think I'm in good shape. And where He would guide, where He would direct, we want to pull, we want to tug, we want to resist. Hey, I said I got it from here. It is not going to work like that. We sometimes want to be like the horse that doesn't want to be broken, doesn't want to get the bit in its mouth, trying to spit it out. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be reined in. Our Lord doesn't want to fight. He's not looking to scrap with you. He means for this to be a walk that is a beautiful thing. Fellowship, harmony, oneness. He doesn't want to be tugging with you constantly. Trying to pull and get you to let go. To be broken by my Master means just that. To finally submit. To yield. To give it all up to Him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
And while there is much to learn about our Lord in this respect, what do we learn from Him? But the, when it came to the will of the Father, even when difficult, even when hard, even when He might have preferred it otherwise, there was that humble, submissive attitude that was willing to give it all up. When you read in the, the Gospels about our Lord's struggle in the garden, just before He was to be taken and crucified, it'll use the language there of His praying and falling on His knees and even the sweat drops His blood. All that means. I don't know why people want to go to this extreme as if He was praying so fervently His face just burst with blood. We've seen the basketball players stand at the line for a free throw. They're sweating so intensely, it's just pooling and dropping thick drops of sweat off their chin. That's all it means with him. If blood's going to drip, it has to be a whole lot of it, and it comes off in thick drops. That's how profusely he was sweating, sweating as drops of blood. But it is in Hebrews 5 that it adds more to it that we don't read in the Gospels, who in the days of his flesh, verse 7 when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. And though he was a son, yet he learned by obedience the things that he suffered. It wasn't that he didn't know anything about obedience and now he's learning obedience, but never to this extreme. This is like a new level of obedience. And yet what do we see him doing but humbly submitting his will to the will of his father? The language in Philippians 2, likewise, when trying to encourage us to have this meek, humble attitude, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The idea there of that it was something he had to hold on to. If I get up, somebody might take my seat. If I leave this position in heaven, I might not get to return here. He wasn't worried about that but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn what it means. When it comes to the will of the Father, there must be that humble submission. Even as he prayed, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. We can understand who wants to go through what he knew awaited. And yet as ugly as that looked, as brutal as it was going to be, and painful as bloody as it was going to be, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And when we're confronted with one of these pulling and tuggings, there ought to be that same attitude. Not, are you sure I can't keep this? But if knowing it is his will that we give it up, that humble submission to give it up. Our Lord will be referred several times in Isaiah, God speaking of Him as my righteous servant. And that word itself tells us, a servant, one who is willing, willing to serve one over Him. Our Lord will be referred to in a number of beautiful ways. Savior, Redeemer, servant. But He's also referred to as our Master. Most of your versions will have Lord by now, a Greek word kurios, but it means Lord, Master, that one who is over us. 
And far from thinking this is just some tyrant. This is just somebody who's got it out for me. He just wants to get me under his thumb and squish me and take all the fun out of life. Leave me no room to squirm. Who's talking here? When he goes on to say, For I am meek, gentle, lowly in spirit. The same one who a bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench. The same one who loved you enough to give himself for you. That's who's asking this of you. Let him guide. Let him direct. Let him call the shots. And what our Lord knows better than we do, these little things that we hang on to, they're little openings that we're leaving in the door for Satan to stick his foot in and keep that door propped open just a little bit. And he's going to work it a little wider. And he's going to work it a little wider. Our Lord says, give it up and slam the door. And appreciate this. And I hope there are many sitting here who could attest to this. When you begin to approach this relationship with our Lord, with this frame of mind, I'm going to meekly submit, give it up to Him. I'm going to follow His will. It becomes a thing of beauty. Most of us, I'm sure, familiar with Romans 12, 1 and 2, we will quote it frequently. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Who are you proving that to? Well, maybe to the world when they see us living this way. But I think even more so, you're proving it to yourself. Maybe I came into this not understanding. Why does He want me to live this way? Why does He want me to make these changes? But you know what? The longer I do it, I see the wisdom of it. I see the beauty of it. I see the love that is there in the, in the instruction and the, the wisdom that He imparts in telling me how I ought to live my life. In Ephesians 5, we're Encouraged there, therefore be the imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, given Himself for us. And there again, in talking about what our conduct ought to be, it turns again to this one who is willing to give it all up for us. But it follows, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You make discoveries in this walk. You take this teaching and you apply it to how you live. And you come to realize things. Your eyes get opened. And what they are open to see is the wisdom of our God's will for us. And why He wanted me to give that up is so that I could draw closer to Him. And why He wanted me to relinquish that is so that I wouldn't be so easily drawn back into the world. I think of that madman of the Gadarenes. Different gospel accounts will talk about him. The one that our Lord encountered, he lived up in the hills, in the tombs. I'm sure parents used him to threaten their children with if they didn't behave 
up in the tombs howling at night, cutting himself with stones, couldn't be bound with chains, he'd break loose. A madman. A lunatic. When the Lord came to the area, He's the one that ran to our Lord. Our Lord asking Him who He was, saying, Legion, for we are many. Our Lord casting them out into the swine. The swine ran down the hill, drowned. Those seeing to the swine went into the town to report it. When they returned, here's this man, clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. What a beautiful change. Clothed, as we ought to be, clothed with righteousness, clothed with our Lord, clothed with our Lord. In his right mind, you're ready to listen now. You're ready to follow. You're ready to sit at his feet and to hear what he has to say. And then notice the, the, the result. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, and you will find rest for your souls. There was that initial rest that he promised. I think primarily the idea of forgiveness. You come with that heavy load, the guilty conscience, the burden of sin. He promises to unload it by way of forgiveness. There's that rest. But it is in what follows, that willingness to let Him call the shots, let Him guide, let Him lead, learning of His ways, walking in them, seeing the beauty of it, that you find further rest. This rest is that joy, that peace, that comfort. I can look at my brethren sometimes. They're anxious. They've got a lot of worries. They seem stressed out. I don't see the joy. I don't see the peace. Are your burdens more than our Lord could handle? Was it a load too heavy for Him to lift? What's going on if He promised, you do this, you'll find rest, and we can look among our own at times, and I don't see that rest. I don't see the joy, the comfort, the peace that passes all understanding. What are you hanging on to? What are you still clinging to that you're not willing to let go of? That's the problem. It's not too much for our Lord. It's rather what we will choose to hang on to that's going to keep a little bit of friction there, a little bit of strife there, a little bit of worry there. Fretting on our part because we haven't just handed it over. Remember that beautiful imagery of King Hezekiah when Sennacherib, the Assyrian commander, he's already coming through. The northern kingdom is being taken away. He's also going to go down and take care of Egypt. Not really going to bother with coming over to Jerusalem, but he sends an emissary over and they'll read the letter from Sennacherib with all his boastful claims of, look, why don't you guys just open the gates? Come on out, we can do this thing peacefully, make it easy on everyone, because your God's no better than the other gods. Of all the nations I've plundered, trampled right through, what good did their gods do them, and your God is going to be no different? And a lot of other big boastful claims and putting God down. But Hezekiah realizes, I can do nothing with this guy. He's out there with this huge army. He's plowing through everybody. A beautiful imagery of where he takes that letter, goes into the house of the Lord, and spreads it before the Lord. As if to say, I can do nothing with it, it's in your hands. When we are to cast every care on Him, 
The lack of peace, the lack of joy, comfort, it's because of what we are holding on to rather than letting go of. That song begins with the line, Know me broken by my master. The next line I think is equally fitting. Teach thee on child, love hereafter. Now we're ready to go somewhere with this. It's come out of that fear. I need to do this or I might get caught. I need to do this or I might get struck by lightning. I need to do this or I might go to hell. Those might be things that the person initially needs to think about to wake up. But what Scripture makes clear is you've got to pass out of that. The one, First John will say, that abides in God, abides in Him, has been perfected in love. It goes on later in chapter 4 to say, perfect love casts out fear. Here's the motivation now. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It is about love now. Teach thee on, child. Love hereafter. Now we can get down to some serious teaching, some serious application, and this walk is going to be a thing of beauty. I hope we would say that. Know me broken by my Master. Others need to see you that way, and our Lord certainly needs to see you that way. If you're here this evening and you've not yet surrendered the will, yielded to Him, it'll be like our Lord said to Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? This course you're on, which was contrary to His will, you're just making it hard on yourself. You take that goad that's supposed to be used to drive the animals, poke them in the side, you're going to kick those? Who's going to come out on the worser end of that? The way of the transgressor is hard. You will come to realize that. Not all are willing to come to our Lord. Sadly, most aren't tired of the consequences of sin. They don't feel the burden. They're willing to take the temporary pleasure of sin with whatever negative consequences it brings. But it is our hope and prayer. You're tired of it. And we all will hope it weighs heavily on you. And that you'll be willing to make that surrender this evening. And as a child of His, you've been stubborn. You've been reluctant. You haven't wanted to relinquish all to Him. You need to let Him break you. Or it's not going to be the relationship He means for it to be. But for new converts, seasoned veterans alike, appreciate what He offers. Appreciate what He offers in inviting us into this relationship where if we will but let Him lead and guide, let the world stress out. Let the world be anxious. Let the world be depressed. We're going to find rest in our Lord. That beautiful rest that we're going to share with one another that's going to guide us to our heavenly home and is going to be a thing of beauty. Let it be so. It is what He wants. And if there's any way we could help you with making that commitment, let it be known as we stand and sing.